Okay. Welcome to the resurrection of Idiopod. I am one of your original co-hosts, TJ Stone, and this is my new co-host, Destiny Love. Destiny, how are we doing today? Oh my goodness. TJ, right now in this moment, I am so excited, so grateful, and I feel very peaceful. That's great. Yeah, very peaceful. Like you, you would have caught me about 20 minutes ago. You would have <laughs> thought I was in a whole like situation, but no, it's beautiful. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm I'm very excited that we get the opportunity to to bring my kind of what was initially my brainchild from 20 early 2019 or no 2018 I think Whoa. yeah this started in the spring of 2018 as an idea and then we launched in October of 2019 and then cut it off I think it was January 6 was our last episode in 2020 pre-pandemic Yes. And, and, you know, a lot has changed in the world over the last couple of years, not just in my life and, and in your life, but but everybody's. Yes. So so probably what's what's pertinent to, to start is uh, maybe you tell a little bit about yourself and uh, then we'll kind of get into how we we met and how we see the show going forward and go yeah. from there. So a little bit about me. I am, I am, I think I'm just resting in that right now. Mm. Um, On a day-to-day basis, I do therapy. I do counseling. I do some coaching. I have a private practice downtown Birmingham. um, And I am just in this season of being really open to whatever God wants to do. Yeah, really open, like waking up, God, what are we doing? And I am um, trying to remain in that space of openness. Yeah. That's a great posture to, uh, to be in. It's hard, it's hard, to, it's hard to situate yourself to, to be able to get there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Situating ourselves. Yeah. It's like, and I can't, I continue to describe it like this, TJ, it feels like the ocean, you know, like how do you situate yourself in the ocean? Mm, how, how do you do that? Right. I'm right now. I'm just learning to be in the moment. I'm learning to embrace the moment. I am learning to um, breathe, breathe breathe. That's what I had to do just a few minutes ago. Um, and I am learning to just stay focused on God. Like that is, that is the, that is the anchor. Like, so that's, that's what that looks like. Every day is very different. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm learning really relearning and constantly relearning, but I'm in a current season of learning and relearning the importance of breath and yeah. you know you know the bible talks about god breathing that breath of life into yes. us and and it is so much you know our centering is in that breath that keeps us you know second to second uh, able yes. to, con- to connect and when we tense up you know usually one of the the two reactions we have is we either hold our breath or our breath gets really elevated and gets rapid and neither one is helpful (laughs) for our body or our mind. And just being aware of what, what my breath is doing just helps, helps me to, to reground just all throughout the day now. Yes. And like, even like thinking about, the ocean that's just kind of where that is what all of this feels like you know and just keeping in mind that I'm not drowning even though I feel like I'm drowning you know and like you said you go into this place of you tense up and you're breathing fast and it's like okay I'm safe I'm safe I'm safe like literally that was um what I did prior to this, (laughs) like in my living room, laid out in the floor. I'm safe. 
I'm not drowning. Right. And breathing. God, you got me, you know, and um, it's challenging. It's challenging because what we want in our humanity is to be in some sense of control and to know and to, you know, feel very safe and secure, you know, so that's where I am. I'm so glad that we get to do this. I'm so glad that our journeys have intersected in such a beautiful way that they have um, via spiritual direction. That program is everything. Yeah. Love it more and more. Um, but I look forward to showing up and having really deep, authentic conversation. Yeah, me too. And uh, we've had some some really good ones uh, between us over the last year plus that that we've known each other already. And you've you've invited me graciously into. Uh, some panel conversations that, that you've been doing with your tough conversations. Um, to tell everybody what you're doing with that. Where do you see that going to? I don't know where it's going. I do not know. <laughs> I do not know where it's going. But what I know is that I love to have tough conversations. I know that they are so um, uncomfortable, but so necessary. You know, it's like what I keep, I find in my own life and in the work that I do with others, that there is sometimes this thing, you know, it's like just something that is deep down, it's there, but then we want to avoid it. Other people want to avoid it, but gosh, when we just go right to that thing, you know, just the asking the hard question, recognizing even the, the, the hard thing, the uncomfortable thing is like so much freedom on the other side of it, you know, and it's, and it just reminds me of our, of how God processes us and just that needing and him being the potter. And it's just things we don't even recognize, you know, but there's this beautiful thing that happens when we come together and somebody else can see, and we just, it's this beautiful exchange, and then there's, like, all this freedom, and healing, and restoration, and, but we have to go to that place of discomfort, so, yes, we talk about the heart, (laughs) yeah, and I, I feel like there needs to be more safe places where people can go, not just to talk about the hard stuff, but, you know, if they don't have those outlets in, in their own lives, be able to have outlets where people like ourselves are, you know, having those kind of conversations that they can kind of live vicariously through or interact with us and do what we're we're asking the audience to do is to join the conversation, to, to email us, to go to our website, idiopod.com, to, you know, submit, to join the conversation. Uh, find us on the social medias, the Facebook, the Instagram, Twitter, if we end up using that, you know. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And and have this be the audience gets a seat at, at this table. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I don't think there's enough tables that have an open invitation in our world today to invite people of all backgrounds to say, hey. You are an image bearer of God, and you are equally as as worthy and important uh, as me or anybody else I know to to be here and to share uh, your story. Yes, and to you know just join in communion and community, and and just it be okay to not be okay, and just be in process figuring out. This yes. crazy thing called life. Yes. And in and, and spaces to say, I don't know, like spaces to ask the really challenging question and being okay, sitting with whatever comes from that. Um, I know sometimes, well, I know in my life, I, I see people who take the like the role of expert, and I'm sure I've done it too, right? You know, I, I feel like I know a thing, right? But then it's like, do we really know? Like, what do we really know, TJ? You know, so yeah. 
and I know that whatever, but coming together, asking some tough questions, sitting with that and just making space, making space for that. I believe that is such a posture of um, just where, where God wants us to be asking some, asking some hard questions. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, Jesus asked particularly easy questions or particularly posed uh, perfectly affirming of people's world beliefs, <laughs> ideas when, when he was talking. He, he challenged the status quo. He, he come yeah. to shake things up. And that's, you know, why he was put to death only three and a half years into his active ministry. For real. For real. So that's what I want more of. And I know you do too. So it's like, yes. Yes. So um, we had talked about uh, kind of riffing a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the idea that you posed as kind of a first episode topic was becoming, which which mm-hmm. I like. I like that word because, you know, it has just even in, even in the word, it has, you know, the, the root of be to just, just to be. And and I'm, I'm learning to rest in, in being and being Mm. with myself, being with others, being with God, um, trying to know myself better so that those relationships can be increased every day with practice. Cause all relationships take time. They take practice. And, you, you know, I think a lot of you know, what the church uh, messes up with a lot is we preach a lot about loving others. Right. But, but if we can't be with our own selves and love ourselves, and if, if the commission from Jesus is to love others as yourself, you know, first we got to love ourselves. Yeah. So good. And, and, and I know we get it backwards at times and it's still one of those things I wrestle with, right? Because um, it's like we want to do, you know, we want to do something, we want to do something and um, that's what's taught, you know, it's like, go do, go do. And I'm, I too, I'm at this place of being like, what is that? What does that even mean after you've been, condition to do what does it even mean to be you know and and then of course as a as a woman and as a as a woman of color and as a mom and as a wife and you know it's just this constant becoming and Mm -hmm. you can feel like you have some place of stability and then it's like okay here's the here's another transition you know so I think some of that needs to be normalized. You know, I think we can in different, I know I hear it as it relates to healing or as it relates to um, lots of messaging from the world is that we're going to go here. You know, this is the destination and it's so much of a focus versus all of the processing that happens along the way like a shedding. That's what it feels like, a shedding. Mm-hmm. We're just shedding all of these things and really becoming who God created us to be. Yeah, the the scales lifting from your eyes, kind of that imagery in the Bible of, you know, coming into I, I think I think the more we do the hard work and the more we're able to engage in the hard conversations to really wrestle with what it is to be in relationship with God, with ourselves, with this world and the community that comes around us. I think gradually we are, you know, it's like shedding a a skin, just like, the animals that, that do that, you know, there is a fresh new layer and, oh, a, yeah. and, and every season there's a new skin 
to shed and to become that word, become something, something new. Yes. And then it's like, what? What? You know, and then it's I can I even see a visual of like being in the middle of it. And it's like, here's the newness, here's the old, and it's like, whoa. You know, what, what is that? But I want to hear from you. I'm going to ask you a tough question, TJ. Oh, please do. Please do. Okay. (laughs) If you think about what you believe, TJ, let's just say, I don't care. You pick an age. You pick an age where you believe this thing. You were foot down, flat footed on it versus where you are now. Like, give me just one one thing that just kind of comes to mind if there if you can think of one hmm. where you just like no i know this is it or have you had that experience uh i feel like i feel like i have been a searcher and a journeyman a wanderer kind of all my life searching for truth <laughs> And just always having a sense that there was more. Yeah. That, that, that whatever system I had didn't quite, you know, scratch every itch, didn't quite, there were questions I couldn't answer. I feel like there was maybe one time, one brief, like couple year season in my life where I had settled in to the system that had it all boxed up real nice and then okay. could, could, could explain it. And they had just by by virtue of the fact of having such a simple system, they could explain away very black and white what doesn't fit in, what does fit in and how it all worked. And there was a comfort in that. And that was when I was in, I was really coming back into engaging. You know, I've always, I, I was raised a Christian. I'm a third generation pastor's kid. Long story there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, there was never a time where I didn't consider myself a Christian. You know, some some people have those really transformative there. I was this way and then I went the other way. And right. And I've, I've had moments in my story like that that were very 180 turns or or different, you know, in my understanding was was very much 180 turns, but I don't I think I could ever identify a time in my life where I, I didn't believe in God, didn't consider myself a, a Christian of some sort. Now I, now I call myself a Christ follower or a follower of Jesus yes. um, because the Christian word is, is, you know, what it means to be an evangelical Christian in the Western world. I do not consider myself really. Right. And there's been so much harm done through that lens that I just want to divorce myself from that and say, you know what, I'm not a Baptist, I'm not an evangelical, uh, I'm not a put your label on it, but I am a follower of Jesus. Uh, Right. And that's kind of where I'm at. But the one time that I felt like I had it all figured out and I could tell you all about it was very uh, confident in my hubris to do so was when I really dug into Reformed theology. And specifically, I, I, I have fallen on several different paths of that, but specifically when I was digging into this uh, more Calvinistic leaning uh, and specifically what they call the five points of the tulip kind of belief you know about this oh no this is all brand new brand okay. new okay well hopefully this don't show up on our video but this is the first time we've done podcasting uh where i can actually look up on a computer things now and i don't have to remember incorrectly no it's fine and you know i'm going to go and read on this after so no just tell me oh, your take Okay, well, here's the here's the essential five points of Calvinism, uh, which was all attributed to to a reformer named John Calvin long after his death. You know, I do know that I knew I do know him. Yeah. But of course, you know, he never said these are the five points necessarily. They kind of people 
long after his death, come around and, and said, you know, this is what I think he was saying. <laughs> like, just like just like they do Jesus. Just like they do Jesus, just like they do everybody. But essentially, okay. the five points, the T was for total depravity, which was the, uh, essentially that in our fallen human nature, that uh, we are totally depraved and we're always, you know, without a savior or without a transformative experience, we're just going to go back to the mud of our depravity, okay. like like the pigs that we are, basically. Okay. So typically, you know, all throughout the time, I could go, I, I could get down with that, you know, uh, because I, I've seen, you know, people that don't have that relationship with God. It's all about self. It's all about gratifying the flesh. I mean, there's tons of examples of relationships and people I've known where that was the case. So that was kind of easy for me to take. Uh, the you and the tulip of Calvinism is unconditional election. Uh, unconditional election. And essentially, uh, that meant that... Um, that God chose certain people. Um, as the elect? As the elect. Yeah, that's where you get the the points of elect. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking no. for better better explanations. No, you don't have to explain yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so basically God choo- chose before, and this is always the, the language, before the foundation of the world, God chose certain people. To be elect to to be elected, and this is where you get the the form uh, the phrase sovereign grace. I was a part of a church for several years that was a sovereign grace fellowship, which was kind of a it's like a soft denomination. A, a fellowship don't quite carry with it all of the stuff that a denomination has, but it operates similarly. It's a coalition basically of churches that believe a certain um, set of doctrine that they yeah. all agreed to, basically. Uh, so I was a part of a Sovereign Grace Fellowship, which was all about Calvinism, all about Reformed theology, and I was okay. all about it for a while. And that was my first experience doing a couple podcasts with um, a preacher who was actually, I still really respect and, and care for. And he was the guy that witnessed my, my wedding uh, mm-hmm. license, basically, and said the prayer at our wedding and helped me actually produce in his, in his little home studio the song that I played at my wedding. So nice. have, a, have a lot of care for, for that, that guy. Uh, shout out to Jim if you're listening. Yeah. But, but um Yeah, at a certain point, that seemed to feel, and specifically that point, uh, that started to feel like not the relationship of a God, the God that I was forming relationship with and understood. And that's not how the cross didn't make any sense to me if, if it was you know, I'm just dying for certain people that I already chose before I come and did all this, before the foundation of the world. Right. Uh, and and certain that means if certain people were chosen, that also means that certain people were destined to eternity in hell, if you have that belief. Right. Because, you know, for every <laughs> positive, there's the, the opposite. You know? Sounds like a straight setup. Yeah, yeah. So that that was one that ultimately started to pull me away the more I studied about that specific point and what my thoughts on that. The other five, three points were uh, the L of the t- tulip stands for limited atonement, which is basically, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with the previous one. It basically says that Jesus died only for the sins of the elect. Uh, 
and not for everybody, just for the people that were chosen before the foundation of the world. So it, it kind of feeds into this closed system. You know, all these points start to kind of circle up on each other and it creates an us and them mentality, honestly. Right. And it also, uh, you know, opposite of, of the standard evangelism that I kind of grew up in in a, in a Pentecostal Church of God background. And, you know, culturally, we were always more in Southern Baptist areas of the world with with the bible belt and where i grew up in south carolina but the hardcore evangelism of we have to go out out to all the world and preach the gospel to everybody because there's still ears that haven't heard it and it's only going to be when every ear in the world has heard the gospel that jesus can come back and if we're not actively going out into the world and making sure you know at the risk of our own lives and these heathen nations, you know, underground ministry and whatnot, which, you know, I hold that a lot of goods come out of that too. But it was this idea that somehow we're holding up God as if we could do that. Yeah. Sounds like the savior complex. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing that was interesting to me growing up from that background is when you start to lead into this, uh, well, there's elect and then there, there's sheep and there's goats was how you know, there's the wheat and there's the tares. There's this binary language that a lot of people misrepresent, I believe, the parables and the teachings of Jesus to kind of explain their closed systems. And they say, oh, well, it's okay if I tell you about Jesus and you, you know, uh, don't have a good response. That just means that maybe uh, you were never chosen from the beginning. So why would I waste my time talking to someone who's, who's not going to believe it? Because they believe, I, I believe, a lot of them believe at least, that once the people who were chosen from the foundation of the world hear the message of the gospel, that it will awaken inside of them their true identity, and they will not be able to uh, um, to, ignore. To, to, to resist, which is actually the very next point. You know, I said all these points kind of go hand in hand. The eye of the tulip is irresistible grace, which is the belief that God brings his elect to salvation through an okay. internal call, which they are powerless to resist. So if you have been chosen, if you have been the elect, you know, at some point in your life's journey, God is going to make sure that you come to awareness yes. of that. So really that takes the pressure off evangelists to go and do much of anything because ultimately God's going to make it happen if it's, if it's meant to happen for you one way or another. Mm -hmm. So what I was finding was in the more reformed theological circles that evangelism looked a lot different and there wasn't near as much of an emphasis on it because it was, it, it was oddly trusting God's divinity in a certain way, which was refreshing because I come from the exact opposite tradition, which often felt like you're beating people over the head with the Bible who just weren't ever going to receive it. Yes. And now this system explained why, because if they weren't receiving it, they were the goats. They weren't the sheep. They were the unelect. Wow. So, so they weren't ever they weren't ever going to have the ears to hear and the eyes to see because yes. they weren't the ones that Jesus died for and that well, start that started to feel gross to me yeah but for a while it, it's it's a very self-affirming system because if you're already in church you already believe certain things about God it's like you ain't got to worry about it you're the elect we're talking to the elect how- I can see how that can puff you up, like it make does. It, and even in a really probably subtle, like I'm not paying attention to it, like it's for the right cause, you know. I still see how it can make you feel better than somebody else. And it it really makes you feel like you got all the answers. You've got and and the system is is really tight. It's it's probably of all the traditions that I've dabbled in, I've dabbled in most of the popular ones. 
I've never, I've never been a Catholic or, or a Episcopalian more on that end. I've studied a lot of that. I know a lot of what those beliefs are. That just wasn't how I grew up and how my journey progressed, but really to me, the reformed theology, the hardcore Calvinistic view is a view that is very promoting of self. Right. Uh, because if you come to it, it's like that was God's providence. He elected you. Good on you. Now learn, learn how to tell the story. And if it comes yeah. up, it comes up. If it don't, you know, God's got another plan, which in some ways it really, it really boosts your ego to, to your point. And I was getting really full of myself studying studying these authors, studying uh, people that, that think in this in this way and the books they're writing. And and DJ. It, it made me feel like I suddenly, you know, in my late 20s, had all the answers that I'd been looking for all my life and, uh, you know, did not have any bones about sharing them with everybody because not just as an evangelism tool necessarily, but it does puff up that logic brain of, you know, making, making myself the center center of this thing. Yeah. Which everybody in their (laughs) twenties, you know, has, you got to wrestle with that. You got to wrestle with ego. You got to wrestle with how do I keep this in check? And this was a system that seemed to be custom made to inflate it which only made it harder to interact with people who weren't in the yeah. system. But then yeah. when, but then when you got, had negative interactions with, a, with people that believe. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they don't count. That's okay. I'm still right. Which is what it is at the end of the day. And it's yeah. a lot harder to have an equanimity with people and be able to hold that they can still have beliefs that are true and we can still agree to disagree on stuff. And that's so much of what the problem is in, in the greater Christian culture and the greater culture of the non-churched world today as yeah. well. And I, that's another reason I like the tough conversations because it's like you, and I've tried to share this, you know, that we come with an understanding that love and respect are just like the foundations. Like, I don't have to agree with you. I do want to hear your strong opinion or your strong stance or whatever it is, but it's like, we've gotten to this place in culture and society that if I don't agree, then we can't be friends or whatever, you know? Yeah. Where, where did that come from? Where, how did Jesus model that when he was eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and what what society and and the Jewish the Hebrew people at the time considered the dregs of society those right. were the people he was going to to hang out with and i think it's just a matter of loving 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 and respecting and you know seeing everybody as a child of god and an image That's- bearer of god and image bearer that's so good and what what does that mean that's that's something and and the book that we're both reading for class right now is all about the image of god and and Mm. and how you know society has treated that and how how we've used that idea how you know how do we see people as it relates to the image of god how how do we wrestle with the fact that the people that I vehemently disagree with on maybe every possible issue you can think of still bear the image of God. And because of that, they are worthy of love and respect and understanding, or at least attempt to understand. You can attempt to understand and still disagree and still love each other. Yeah. And for me, I just like to rest in the fact that I am not God. Like there's two, there's a couple things I say to myself because I talk to myself, TJ. I'm just like, oh, you know, I, I did. You're not God. Okay. God is God. 
And I like to remind myself that I don't know. And not in a way that's like, you know, I have nothing here, you know, or that I don't have a knowing. It's not that. It's just a matter. For me, it's a quick reminder to submit. You know, it's like a quick reminder to surrender. You know, like when something is getting to whatever, you know, we can get really fired up or passionate or whatever we do in our humanity. It's like destiny. You don't know. And like one of the things I, I pray, you know, when I'm in prayer, I'm like, God, I don't know anything until you tell me, you know, unless you tell me, I don't know. You know, that's just kind of where I'm like, okay, what is this? <laughs> yeah. What is this? <laughs> and, and receiving that knowing. And there, and that's, and I think you're referring to that kind of deep inner internal knowing that you yes. can only know when you know that you know that you've heard from God. Yeah. And that is not a knowing that is easily transferable or relatable to other people unless they've had that same experience, be it around an issue or, or just whatever the God's revealing to you. You know, it, it is hard to, it's hard to reconcile knowing things about a thing, but then yeah. knowing a thing. And sometimes the things you think you know about a thing are different than the knowing. I know. I know. And being able to hold those things and, and not right. have to know how they connect. Um, I feel like that is part of the growing and maturity of the spiritual journey that God has us on. What felt so great about Reformed theology, and just before I forget, in case anybody was curious, that that last piece stood for perseverance of the saints, which basically teaches you can't lose your salvation, because uh, once called, always called kind of thing, mm. which felt good. You know, that was reassuring, because I grew up in a thing where you, any bad thing you did, you had to repent because you had backslidden. And if you die once you're in a backslid oh. state, uh, that might yeah. be hell for you. Who knows? I do remember. I remember thinking that as a child, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like this constant fear, you know, oh my gosh. Yeah. And you labeled it as a child. I think that's, I think that's childish thinking. I don't think that's what Jesus come uh, to talk about. And as we really dig into his teachings and, and through the lens of what I think he was trying to say and the context he was trying to say it, I don't think that that was his message. And I don't think that that was, you know, what he accomplished on the cross for us to have to constantly, you know, yeah. go back and forth. And it's all about us. Right. And I think also like because they're like Jesus shared so much, so much, so much, so much. You can I see how we, you know, we can take parts of it and just hold so tightly to it, you know. But what I continue to learn is how to take the paradigm and then ask God, what is it that he wants me to know? You know, it's like you have to, you have to hold it very loosely, obviously. It's like, and that's why I, I say TJ sometimes, it's like, I, I don't know until you tell me. Like, I need you to give me your perspective, right? Yeah, and I, I think... You know, more and more, that's that's what I'm doing. And I've I've had to learn to have to hold certain things kind of open handed because what I what I found as I was coming out of this reformed, very closed mindset uh, with that theology, what felt so good about it was it had an explanation for everything and it positioned me at the center of it. And I was OK. And I was good. Yeah. No matter what I did, I was good because I was aware that I was good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's this circular, circular type thinking. But as God continued to challenge me and press me into that, 
what I'm finding is, you know, life is a lot less uh, binary than we in our natural human state want to make it. And, Absolutely. and God is telling a much bigger story uh, with much bigger puzzle pieces than any kind of closed system that we try and perfectly assemble for ourselves. Right. You know, it is a lot harder to teach in 30 minutes from a pulpit what I think is the real truth that, that Jesus was trying to tell us about. And, you know, he had to use parables and, and illustrations because even he, he knew those people he was talking to weren't going to really understand what he was talking about until they had a transformative lived journey experience. And yeah. that it, it is the journey that forms and shapes you into ever growing layers of what it means to hold multiple truths that don't seem to connect at the same time and that God can be in all of it. Oh, that's so good. And, and it's, it's not for me to connect them either. Yeah. And, and even I think about just the power or just how some of those really big things, like you can't even put it into words at times. It's like the, the words, like you can try to articulate it and it's like you can muddle up this really beautiful knowing or truth and um, just how we have to experience it. Like even the becoming, right? You think about a caterpillar, a caterpillar that's turning into the butterfly. Is I mean, we want to explain it to the best of our ability, but like if you're not in that thing, in that cocoon, like going through that meta, what is it? Metamorphosis? Yeah, metamorphosis. <laughs> yeah, like you don't know. You don't know. So I just, I like to keep in mind that we are all journeying. We are all at different places. You know, God is doing the perfecting and there's constant learning, unlearning. I remember at the top of like before the pandemic hit, one of the things God told me was that he was unschooling me. I was like, what? Like unschooling, you know? And even now I think about it, what, a year and a half, almost two years later, I see, you know, I see because of course I didn't understand then at the time what that meant, but it's like, you think, you know, but you have no idea. You know, let me show you something. Let me show you something. And I think we just have to continue to embrace life that way. Like, what are you showing me? God, show me. God, teach me. God, give me the understanding. Give me the revelation. Tell me what you want me to know, <laughs> you know, which can be totally different than what you knew two years ago, five years ago. Um, so that's when I think about that process of becoming, that is what I think about. Like, yes, I'm here now. And tomorrow, I'm open to what tomorrow brings. I'm open to what next year brings. I am in the hands of a potter. You know? Yeah. 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 But that, of course, that comes along with its own challenges. Yeah. And, and sometimes he's got he's to get that, that fire really hot to, to, shape it, to shape it the way he wants wants it that doesn't mean you're not still in his hands just because the fire yeah. got hot though and it's not punishment yeah and and yeah. so much of this is reframing you know how the systems that were, were handed that are helpful for us and developing our our foundations in faith uh, yeah but but it's like you said earlier it's it is you know there are certain childlike elements yeah of of usually that whatever level of faith we're handed that we can you know quantify and understand as as a small child if we're not continuing to grow in our journey you know i don't think that's what god meant by having a childlike faith i think he meant to be humble 
and to be open to what he's doing in our lives and what he's showing us. Not that we're not gradually learning and growing in the faith. It's not that we're handed every kind of answer we get when we're eight years old and that's all you ever need. Some people want to hold on to that and, you know, God bless them. If that's as far as they get, that's, that's better than, you know, I guess it's better than having nothing to hold on to. Yeah. But it's also important as we do further along on our journey to not get up and caught up in comparison and trying to say, well, I'm further along in my journey than this person is because there is no one-to-one and we're all on a different journey. No matter what things I might think I've learned through experience, your experiences are totally different. And it doesn't matter what our age is. You know, I can learn something from a 20-year-old who has had different experiences than me and it'd be life-changing. TJ, I learned so much from my three and five-year-old. Yes. They are, I'm like, okay, I'm listening to you. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's there's no filter in, in truth from a kid. You know, well, what's the saying? Uh, out of the mouth of babes. You know, Man. that's... that's that's how, how you get hit with those truth bombs sometimes. And I think God uses all of it. Yes. And even as my a part of my becoming, right, as a parent and as a mom is making space for them, you know, to evolve and not to smother and not to project and not to um, overly control that is, oh, that something happened there. But that's some. That's one of the things that I I want them to be. I want them to be. I want them to be, and I want them to have an environment that is safe for them to flourish and for them to thrive. And and of course, that is always going to require me to um, continue to do my work. Yeah. Continue to do my work and be who. I was created to be. So that's a very- Yeah. And no matter, you know, no matter what what we do, no matter how intentional we are with our kids, Ooh. we're we're gonna make totally new mistakes. We'll we'll yep. over we'll try to overcorrect for maybe what we feel the mistakes might have been made for us, just like our parents probably did in their case, but we're just going to find totally new ways to jack up our kids and then, (laughs) and then have to have the humility to be, you know, have grace, but, you know, also seek forgiveness, you know, reparation if, if it's, if it's major, but, but also know that that's, that's part of what God uses. Wow. To shape their lives and our lives. And, you know, I, I jumped head first into this parenting thing. I mean, I, I taught a bunch of kids in multiple contexts for years, but, you know, jumped head first into fostering a 17 year old from a totally different culture and background. And now yeah. in the process of adopting. I love it. The it's same. Like- Jump in, learn how to swim. I love it. The deep end. Yeah. So, so much. And I've learned a ton from, from her, you know? Yeah. And I I think that's what relationship is about is we, we are meant to bump into one another and to learn these lessons together. If we're open to um, receiving what those lessons can be. Yes. Yes. I love this journey. Um, even in the challenges, sometimes people, you know, I've, I've, I've shared, I've had really challenging aspects of my life and my story as we all have, but I can remember like being in some of the most challenging times of my life and being really filled with joy, you know, like, I am grateful. And I'm not saying it with my mouth. Like I really am grateful 
even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's like the worst thing that's happening in my life, you know, because I really, really hold, I really hold this truth that is all perfecting me, you know, and it's an opportunity. Not that it's something I want. It's not, you know, hard things. We don't pray for them. Like I lost a baby. I would never pray to lose a baby. I'm not, that's not anything you just want in your life. But I remember even in that space and in that season, just being really grateful and really, um, really reflective, right? Because everybody around me thought I wasn't feeling my feelings. It's like, no, it hurts. Like, I mean, it was the most excruciating pain I've ever experienced. Yeah, I think that still stands to be true. But even in the moment, like I just saw God in like a, in new ways, you know? So it's just, um, you can be really, really sad and you can still be full of joy. Yeah. And like you can be going through a really, really hard time and you can still be thankful, you know? Yeah. And I I didn't know that that was part of your story. So thank you for sharing that, that, yeah, that is hard and hard. And I know that through God's grace, he, he is able to let you hold that, but still have the joy. Yeah. That he desires for you. Right. And I've got a cousin and his wife. I I think they've had three miscarriages over the last, you know, five to seven years. And it's been, it's been tough. Uh, Yeah. They have two, two uh, biological children now and, and, they seem to be healthy and and that's, that's great, but that doesn't change the journey and the pain, the pain that took to, to get there. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people, um, especially the predominant prevailing beliefs of of most Christians I, I interact with is that, you know, Joy and happiness are like the same thing, basically. It's like, well, we don't we don't really teach as much about that joy that can stand in the midst of deep pain. And it it still surpasses all of our human understanding that 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 joy, despite the pain is what can sustain you through it. Yeah. And I think it only comes from a deep knowing and that relationship with God. Because without that, what is there to cling to? Yeah. And, and even, and I share this, um, that there are, I'm even having a hard time saying it out loud, but, Like I am even seeing that people have given so many different names to God, you know? So it's like, it's there, right? They may not even know the words to put to it. Cause like, I mean, words just don't do God justice, right? Yeah. Um, but we have it, it's in us. Like it, the thing that we cling to, the thing that anchors us, you know, that is God. <laughs> that is God. Um, so yeah, this process of becoming is just so dynamic. It's so huge. It's so overwhelming. It's so challenging, crazy, all the words, but it is like, it's, it's everything. It is everything. And I think we just need to embrace it. Like that. It comes along with all of it. <laughs> yeah. I agree. You you mentioned earlier uh, you felt like that you were being perfected. That sounds a lot like becoming and the process of 
becoming. I'm, I'm wondering if you believe that there is an end result of perfection or whatever it is that you become at the end of this journey, if that's something that happens in this physical reality, a hundred percent, or if that just, we get as far as we get. And then on the other side of whatever's waiting for us after death, that maybe that's where we have become, you know, what, what, what do you feel about that? I believe that I am perfect and I am being perfected. Okay, so I really believe that when God looks at me, he is so proud and he is um, just beaming because in his eyes, I am perfect. I really believe that. That is like something um, sometimes when I'm a little off, I'm like, gosh, show me your perspective, you know, and then what he shows me is like, oh. I'm your girl, you're proud, you know what I mean? But even in that, I believe that I am being perfected because there are just things that have happened over the course of life. There is just debris, you know, like you go out today, TJ, and there's going to be some debris. You're going to have to come home, you know, wash yourself. So I think that's kind of how I, I look at this process. Like I am and I am becoming. I can, I know this is challenging. I am perfect, but I am also being perfected. Which is a non-duality, non-binary way of looking at life. That's kind of where I am. I don't think it's a, it's a destination. Now I have, I have lived a lot of my life, you know, striving for a, a whatever, right? The next blah, blah, blah. And was but that ne- ever healthy? For you in the long run, it's framing been it healthy. that way, it's been healthy because it's helped me to, and I still see how it can be helpful. Like you know, for different things, like you, there's just sometimes you just need to get to point B, right? Um, but now, when I look at even setting that goal, because I still set goals, I'm a goal setter, but I see how I am being perfected as I journey towards that, that next stopping point, not even a stopping point. What can we call it? A benchmark. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be, you know, another benchmark possibly. And then there's this beautiful perfecting to, so that's how I look at it. TJ. That's how it has been in my life. Okay. That's, that's fascinating. I, I, I think, personalities we have similarities in our personality but i think you know our kind of personality type is one that has to set goals because we have to have these things to to look forward to and i I still find myself setting these they're they're not they're not as clearly defined but they're you know general goals now they they used to be very concrete and then I'd be very crushed if I couldn't make it happen exactly the way exactly how I planned but now now I'm I'm almost seeing like these parallel paths it's like the outline that I roughly sketch out in pencil now I don't use permanent ink no more. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the path that, that God seems to be shifting. And it always shifts a different way than the path that I've sketched out in pencil. But the good thing about pencil is it's got an eraser. <laughs> and I can constantly be making these adjustments so that I can lean that parallel way that God seems to be changing. And ultimately, I find when the things that I am striving for and and goal setting for are good and they are helpful and they are aligned, I feel like with the heart of God, that he gets me there. It's just not, it's not the way I would have planned. It's it's never in my timing when I would want, usually always after when I would want it. Yep. And it looks such a different way. And he connects so many dots. I never would have even, didn't even know those dots existed, you know. 
to get yes. in a roundabout way to where, you know, I needed to be anyway. So, you know, I have, I'm, I'm learning to have a totally different approach to, to goal setting and, and yeah. And, you know, so much of it was being able to look back on my life and look at, look at some of the benchmarks that I had set, some of the things that come up short, some of the things that I hit and realizing that if I'd have had everything exactly the way I planned it, my life would probably have oh, went man. much more poorly <laughs> than I ever would have, would have dreamed. Um, but I would have had everything that I planned for. I just wouldn't have known what to do with it. And exactly. it wouldn't have been good. Or what, or what comes with it. Yeah. You know, it, so even now, I'm, I, I still like to plan. I plan lightly, number one. Yes. I had to really sit with that and plan lightly. I do a lot of penciling, right? Um, but then I, I, I'm constantly, I, I, I have a relationship with God. I'm like, God, if I'm not ready, I don't want it. Like, don't give me anything that, you know, and I know him to be good, TJ. So like, when the thing is not whatever, I'm like, okay, God, thank you. You know, you know, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not equipped. And, um, but it is like, I get glimpses. Like I'll get a glimpse of what's to come, you know, but then I, like you said, you don't know what's all in between now in the next benchmark, you know, and, and I just take it as that I am being perfected. I am being perfected for whatever it is. Yeah. 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 I, I really resonate and relate with the, the getting a glimpse of like what's to come, but having no idea how to get there kind of thing. And sometimes you have just little stepping stones, but they're like out and you don't even know how they're all going to piece yep. together. You know, I knew the spiritual direction class was one of those stepping stones. I didn't know. I still don't know what, why I'm in this class or what I'm going to do with this. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychologist like my wife. Yeah. I don't really necessarily plan to go back to school for a few years to, to make that happen. But who knows? I hold all things open. Right. But, you know, if I never joined this class, I never would have met you. Yep. We wouldn't be doing this. Um, I knew I was supposed to bring back the podcast, but I had no connecting dots way to make it happen. Right. And like I have a vision board and I'll probably show you at some point. But my the way that I do vision boards has even changed over the years. It used to be tons of pictures. Now it's more words. Right. Hmm. And podcast was on there. And here we are. Here we are. And you know what? But this, this is not what I thought it was going to be, TJ. I didn't think I was going to be doing this type of podcast with you. No. You know, I had, a, I, I thought, right, it was going to be about something totally different, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it was going to be something, you know, when we were first doing this, you know, I was, you know, pursuing different ministry adjacent type opportunities yeah. i was doing it with a youth pastor at my church thinking maybe at some point we could make this one of the church's podcast kind of things and now he don't even go to, he don't even go to that church no more <laughs> i still do but now they got their own podcast thing that's i'm totally not a part of and yeah we well on hiatus for two years and now here we are you're in Alabama. I'm in Tennessee. We met at a class in Georgia. You know, I know. When when God brings things together, you know, it is in his timing and it it, it works when it's meant to work. The resurrection. The I'm resurrection. Of idiopod. Yeah. So I'm I'm thrilled. I cannot wait. We guys, we have tons of different interesting dynamic topics that we will begin to um jump into i know in our little think tank we started thinking about some toxic family systems that's my kind of conversation i cannot wait for that one tj so that that is a big one there's there's lots of stuff we can talk about you know the political systems of our times um, Hello. uh all of the 
the racial dynamics that have have come to the forefront in the last couple of years and and the conversations Maybe. conversations people are having around that um we're the, going there we're going into all of it all of it so many things yeah. and we want we want our audience you guys to be able to submit ideas join in on the conversation um if there's something you want us to discuss, reach out to us. Go to idiopod.com, submit your ideas, and we'll we'll join this conversation and this journey together. Yes. Thank you so much for this, TJ. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for saying yes and being open. Yeah. We're doing it. All right. We'll see you next time, guys, on Idiopod.